Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Lusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. All right. Uh, hi, I'm good. good evening. Yes, yes, I hope, I hope I'm audible. Yes, you are. All right, so... Okay, great. I'm just going to go ahead and ask. Um, so I always had that. Uh, how how as believers are we supposed to respond in? We are, we are living in a very interesting world where. Um, we will face things that possibly we have never faced growing up, like people, okay, like you're in a class and then your, your lecturer says, your lecturer is female and she says, oh, my wife, so, 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 something, and you're possibly giving an assignment on, on, on that. And how do you, as, as a believer, this person comes to your church, for example, right? This, this, these are real life uh, instances, by the way, they are not really made up. Uh, and let's say comes to your church, they are saying, your church, maybe they are the instrumentalist or head of the instrumentalist or or head of choir or something. Yeah. And uh, the belief systems you know is is anti. Uh, these are things that uh, these are things that should not be happening. Let me just say it that way. How do you, as a believer, should I say? That especially when, uh, sorry, sorry about that. Especially when, especially when uh, these these people are they are serving in the church. Yeah, you hear them talk about grace. You hear them talking about. Do you understand? And it's it's just you're wondering that is there something wrong with you for seeing that there's something wrong with this. So how do you, how do you either create a safe space or how do you how do you approach the whole situation? Right. So, Vicera, can, I, can I just... Place. I know we have posted... Yeah, sorry. Can I just ask you to repeat what you, you said going? initially? There were some parts that you were breaking off and I didn't hear the exact scenario you described. Uh, okay, sorry about that. Uh, it's actually a bit mobile. Is it, is it a bit clearer? It's clearer now. I can hear you now, but I didn't hear the scenario you gave. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, we, let's say, like you're in a culture, the society where they have accepted as normal a lot of things that are possibly anti-scriptural, right? Things pertaining to maybe uh, uh, orientation, sexual orientation, uh, and this this person is, let's say, one of the leaders in. In, in the ministry you're serving, let's say you're in another country, like uh, Finland or Europe, right? And you hear this person teach, this person teaches, teaches Hebrews with you, two of you study uh, first kings, you talk about grace and righteousness by faith. And, and, and this person practices and believes like what, 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 they, what, what they are or how they identify. So how do you, how do you, uh, how do you 
how do you handle that kind of situation? Do you extend grace to you? It's, 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 it's tricky because you have people that will come and ask you questions, right? How do you respond to those people? How do you handle these situations? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if my question is modeled up, but I, I, I hope it's... Yeah, I just want to clarify some things. So I think I get you. So you have this buddy who you've studied the scriptures together, but now this person is in another country like Finland and is openly maybe has a sexual orientation that maybe he's openly gay and is propagating that and teaching that. Is that is that the scenario? Open it, yes. Teaching that, propagating that. See, talking about grace and righteousness by faith. Teaching people, you know, serving in the church, speaking in tongues. Yeah. And it just looks very confusing. But you're friends with that person. Like, that looks... That looks... No, 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 I'm not friends with that. So, so, so like, yeah, people that I talk to, right? Like, people that I talk to, they are old. They come, people come to me with questions. So it's not someone that I do, like, personally, directly. Okay. Well, if someone comes to me with that kind of situation, what what can you even tell them? How do you respond? To me, I, I probably don't know how to respond. So those people, those people listen to that person, right? Yeah, well, maybe not necessarily listen. Maybe like friends, right? Friends to that Just person. Like friends. Yeah, friends. Oh, okay, okay. Colleagues, peers, yeah. Mm. Okay, I mean, uh, I think that's a very, very good question. I think, let me just bring it home to everyone so that they understand the scenario. So it's a case where you have a friend or you know or you know of someone who says something that is contradictory to scriptures, you know, and, and just maxes it in this frame of, oh, it's grace, you know, anything can happen, anything goes. God doesn't really care. It's all grace. We are who, who we are. We love what we love or who we love. Things like that. Um, what do you do in a case like that? Um, I would say this, depending on the situation. Um, depending on the situation, if you have access to this person, it is your responsibility to call them out. Of course, to do it with meekness and in fear. First Peter 3.15, which is the apologetics text, says, to give a reason for the hope that you have, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have with meekness and respect, with fear. So you, you have to come to this person, if it has to be by email, and this is something I've done a couple of times. I've sent emails to some people. Um, sometimes I, it's a phone call because I have access. Sometimes it's a text. Um, so yeah, reach out to this person. Give evidence. Be specific. This is what... I appreciate about you. And when you give feedback, always appreciate the good things you can about people. I appreciate that you talk about the grace of the Lord. I appreciate this. However, you're making a mess of the gospel, right? You go to a, a Jude that, you know, the book of Jude that says, you know, you're taking um, the gospel and turning it into lasciviousness. You're literally taking the grace of the Lord and using it for lust. You call out all the things, specific things this person has talked about. Um, whether you're on a phone call or in a text, whatever, and just dissect and say, this is where I believe you are in the wrong. And then the person, you appeal to the person to repent. You appeal to the person to change their mind about it, to come to a place where they truly adhere to the commandments of Jesus. If you've had that conversation with the person, and or whether it's you or the people that came to meet you, they have that conversation. Oh my goodness, what just happened?
Oh, oh boy. The network just tripped. <coughs> so sorry guys, the network just tripped on my end. So I'm waiting for it to reconnect on Zoom. Please pardon me. Okay, he's back. Hi, PK, can you hear me? Yes, yes, hey. I can. Man, what happened? I think oh, it's my sorry. network. Most you, I think your network yeah, tripped off for some seconds. Man, so sorry about that, guys. Okay, but what did you hear me last? I was saying when you talked to the person or the people that came to meet you talked to the person. Right? the person. Great, okay. So when, when that happens, if the person refuses, look, I don't care. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but this is my life. This is how I'm going to live it. Um, so the person has decided not to repent. What that means for you is that, um, sorry, are you still co-host? Okay, you're a co-host, Jeva. Great. So what that means is that the person is unrepentant after being warned, after you've given evidence. There's a place in the Bible that says we are not to have communion or communication or fellowship with people who are active, um, should I say, sexual people of sexual immorality, right? Anyone who adheres or practices sexual immorality, the Bible says we should stay away from them. We should excommunicate them from our midst. Because the Bible says a little leaven, right, leavens the whole bread. A little yeast affects the whole bread. That's why when Jesus had the Last Supper, before he was able to have communion with the disciples at the Last Supper, he excused Judas because that was the yeast. He had to excuse Judas. And so in your communications and your communion and fellowship with people, if you have someone who's a negative influence by their lifestyle or their words or their convictions, you need to kick them out if they are unrepentant. It's the biblical way. No, no hard feelings. It's just what it is. You are deterring away. And we, we know that this is probably you being rebellious or the enemy blinding you. We will pray for you. But in the meantime, stay away from us. Or whoever it is that is having access to this person, you tell them and encourage them to stay away from them. And many times that I've told some of you um, who follow follow us at Vivify Ministries, where there's there is some teacher or doctrine that's coming out, and it's it's strange, it's unbiblical, it's heresy. I would specifically warn you to stay away, whether even that person is close to you or loved by you. You stay away because it's it's for your health as a good shepherd you to protect the sheep from harm from those who want to climb over the fence and steal the sheep so um, I think everyone every believer has that sense of responsibility to guard the next person to first guard their heart and guard the sanctity of the the oneness of the doctrine that we have in Jesus do you understand so I think that's the answer I would give to that question does that help this Yes, it does. All right. So yes, it, it does. It, it, it's, it's not Thank sentimental. You. Yeah, it's not a sentimental decision. While it's sentimental that, you know, it's it's sad the person is going the wrong way, and you must follow up. The Bible says those who are overcome in some sin, we who are more spiritual should restore them. So there's a restoration process. But before restoration, in this kind of case, when it comes to sexual immorality, excommunication comes first before restoration. So that's just the biblical um, method for this. Thank you, PK. All right. So the next question is from the 
um, link. And this question is, how do I overcome a fear of or disinterest in relationships? Like relationships- Recording in progress. Sorry, can, can you hear me, Okay. Okay. So the person says, how do I overcome a fear of disinterest in relationships? Like relationship, relationship. It's laughing emoji. Romantic. This is anonymous. Romantic relationship. How do you overcome the fear of, was it commitment you said or what? No, how do I overcome the fear of relationship? And this person says relationship, relationship. So I believe it's romantic relationships. Overcome the fear of relationship. Like of being in a relationship, from what I understand, or disinterest. Read it again, please. Disinterest. Read it again, please. Let me just be clear of the exact question. How do I overcome a fear of or disinterest in relationships? Like okay. relationship, fear relationship. Disinterest in relationships. Uh, so the person is anonymous. Sadly, we can't do a follow up. <laughs> but I think personally, right? Um, I think when it comes to um romantic relationships it's a big deal we have to we have to be honest and say it's a big deal it's you coming with your heart your full chest you know uh, coming with all these expectations and and also concerns and anxieties and worries and cares you're coming to this place saying look i'm going to have someone else in my life who's going to share my space Who's going to see me at my best? Who's going to see me at my worst? Who's going to see my insecurities? Who I'm, I'll have to place my heart in their care, to trust them, to tend out, you know, to to tend to it, to care for it, to be involved in this person's life, to be vulnerable, to be transparent. It's a very, very, very interesting place to be. It's beautiful, but at the same time, it it can it, it's a lot to think about. And I feel like before people go into relationships, it's very important that they think about all these things, right? And don't shy away from it. It's okay. Absorb the thoughts. You're going to be responsible for someone else as they were responsible for you. You're going to be vulnerable to them as they'll be vulnerable and transparent and open and honest with you. So that's the environment you're bringing yourself into where now their littlest actions affects the magnitude of your emotions. That's just how it's going to be now. But you have to also remember that love is a beautiful thing. God designed it. It's God's idea. And if someone decides not to get married, it doesn't mean that they're falling out of God's plan. But in itself, love, when it's received and when it's done well and reciprocated the right way, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It, reflects the, it should reflect the relationship and the love that God has for us. So... That said, the fears could come around what I just said, the reality of what you're about to get into. It, there's a fear around it, like, man, this is huge. The weight of this is incredible. I, I really can't imagine it. Um, another reason, aside from the initial fear, is maybe what we've heard, right? The opinions of people, the experiences of people. It could be other people's perspectives, opinions, experiences. People who have been heartbroken, who have been in five relationships in the span of five months, people who have, you know, had all these things, had their hearts broken, people who have been cheated about, and maybe things you read in social media, or, you know, you see how so 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 this celebrity marriage crumbled, 
you see Jennifer Lopez and you're like, wait, I thought you've married three times. Why are you entering another marriage? And the person she's marrying has been in other marriages. Like, what's going on? Is this how love is supposed to look like? I can't deal with this. I can't imagine myself, you know, being cheated upon or things like that, you know. So there's that fear. So first one is initial fear of the weight of relationships. Second one is people's experiences and opinions. Third one is... is your own experiences, maybe past experiences that you may have had. Maybe you've also been heartbroken. Um, maybe you had unrequited love. There was someone you had a crush on. Man, this person was your Prince Charming. You were set in the stars. It was made in heaven for you. She was made in heaven for you. You guys were an item. You had watched Korean movies with your face as that. It was instead of Limio, it was his face you were seeing. So um, that can that could have been your own story, but you've you've been broken hearted. You've 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 eaten breakfast. You've eaten brunch. You're about to eat lunch. <laughs> you've chopped all that you're supposed to chop. Uh, it, it's 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 very painful. It's heartbreak. Heartbreak is very painful. So there could be that fear um, for that as well. But when you talk about disinterest, disinterest could mean. Maybe right now you're just not in the space to be in a relationship. Maybe you're more of a go-getter regarding your career or your academics. Maybe it's not a priority for you, and that's okay. And maybe it might be till you're 30 or 35 that you start being, um, you know, you start to think about relationships, and that's fine. There is no single timeline for when a person should get married. It's not written in the stars. Do you understand? If it's if it's when you're 20 years old, you're ready for a relationship, go ahead. If it's when you're 35, you're well established and settled down, go for it. People advise to do it earlier because of, if, especially if you want to have kids, it's easier to have kids earlier. That's the recommendation. By the end of the day, you know what you want and you should go for what you want, um, especially when it's, it's driven by the right reasons. If it's driven by fear, if your disinterest is driven by fear, it's a very bad reason. It means there are insecurities. And if you have that mindset, it's called self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what that's what therapists could would call it. Self-fulfilling prophecy, where you have you have this idea that if I enter a relationship, ah, it might be bad. The guy will cheat on me. I just feel it in my I just know that guy I look like that person, that kind of person you can cheat on. So these guys will cheat on me. I just know it. I've seen it in all in many places. And the guy might be a great guy. But because of that preconceived notion you have, you start to treat the person like the person is a cheater. And ultimately, somehow, it just happens that the person cheats on you because you put them in that situation where you didn't trust them. You know, or things like that. It, it, just, it just happens that way. So if you're in this situation, long story short, um, talk to someone about it. First of all, you do some self-assessment um, and introspection. Why... Are you afraid? Well, what's the real reason, right? I've not listed all the reasons, possible reasons that there are, but maybe it falls into one of these categories. You have to think, well, what exactly is it that I'm afraid of? What is causing the disinterest? Is it that I'm too ambitious for other things other than relationships? Am I afraid of commitment? Am I afraid, I, maybe I've never experienced this before, so I don't know what's going to look like. By the end of the day, like there were, there are always things you've done for the first time that you never did before, but you had to do them, you know, and just be hopeful, right? Keep hope alive, right? Do it again. Look at godly examples, people who have mirrored and exemplified what marriage should look like. 
of relationships, dating relationships should look like and go for that, right? Replicate that in your life. Don't always look for the bad examples. We are good examples. A lot of good marriages, healthy marriages, not just for the gram, not just for publicity, but actual healthy marriages. Doesn't mean they don't fight or quarrel, but they've learned how to resolve conflicts the right way and just mirror the relationship between God and the church. So, so you, I would say, identify what those reasons are. And if you have some insecurities that are still lingering, talk to someone about it, you know, get it out of the way, have a conversation, especially if you've maybe seen these experiences directly with your parents. Maybe you've had your parents have, you know, gone through those problems with infidelity or separation. Talk to someone about it. Talk to someone trusted so that you, you get your mind renewed and you're hopeful again for a better relationship for yourself. All right, I hope this helps. I hope this clarifies your question, Anonymous. All right. Thank you, PK. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can. Okay, so um, I'm going to move on to a live question, and I just hope that helps Anonymous. But yeah, what's the next question? Um, so if you're here on your Mixler or you're on Zoom and you want to ask a question, you can put up your hand or if you're on Mixler, you can drop it in the chat section and we would um, answer. Sorry, Chiaz, on one moment, I just, I think the way I set this up, I don't know if the guys on Mixler will be able to hear you. Let me just confirm. Guys on Mixler, can you hear Chiaz? Um, I just want to confirm. Okay. Please just drop drop in the comment section if you can hear Chiazam when she's asking questions. Okay, they said they can hear me. Ah, they can. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, okay. great. Awesome. All right. Okay. Over to Daniel. Daniel has his hand up. Yay, all right. Anna, you can speak. Awesome. Um, hi, PK. Hi. Good evening, everyone. So my question is uh, kind of personal, right? So there's this thing with healing, right? The past uh, few, I don't know, weeks, months, just generally. So I've had faith to... Well, pray for other people, right? Pray yeah. for them and get them healed. Like, literally, see testimonies of people getting healed. And then when it's my turn, the pain comes and it's hard. And I can't even, like, stay up to 10 minutes, 30 minutes without going straight to the health center to ask for, like, a painkiller or something. I don't know. Like, what's the balance to, to it, right? What's the balance to it? Like, how long am I supposed to stay believing that, okay, I'm going to be healed before taking a painkiller or taking prasama or something? Because uh, it kind of makes me feel guilty, right? Like, devil says, okay, so see yourself now. <laughs> You're praying for this person, this person getting has still your life. How far? Yeah. Why are you not staying here and believing God that you're going to be healed. So that's that's my question. What's the balance? How long do I stay? How long do I like wait? So if something's happening now, how long do I like I can pray. Like most times first thing is I'm praying and the next thing is okay I'm going to take my drugs or something or going to the yeah. other center. So what's the balance? 
think that's a very I hope everyone here that's a very good question daniel so just to echo, um, echo daniel's question again um what do you do when when trying to explore the charismatic when you, it comes to healing people of diseases and sicknesses but in your own personal life there's a contradiction you yourself are sick and you've done these miracles but you get back home to experience sickness and pain and you know what do you do do you take medicine is it you showing unbelief in god's healing power when you take medicine you know what what about the guilt that comes from that it's a very brilliant question and maybe i'll just start by answering it with um, a personal example and this is more personal not even my story but that of my mom so um, one thing i've learned i mean i've seen my parents do um at least even more recently um they've become more charismatic um they've become more charismatic um, but I remember if this was even as far back as was it 2015, 2016. So my mom is is if you have a problem, she's a health practitioner or practitioner, sorry. Um, so she, if you have a problem, she would recommend this and that and this and that. She has the products in her mind. In her mind. But before she gives you any products, she'll pray for you. So that was something she'll always do. She'll pray for you. If you have a major problem, she'll stay on the phone, pray till, till she probably doesn't even have to recommend those products for you to use. Um, she'll recommend them eventually for supplements so that they help you. They're not medicine per se, but they would help you um, avoid the thing happening again. But while she was doing that, and I can tell you categorically that people who had headaches, there was someone who even had, um, there was a case of diabetes, for crying out loud, um, Man, women, women are powerful. Women pray, especially mothers. Especially mothers, it works. <laughs> so she, she prayed for someone that had diabetes. There was also someone that had um, some abdominal pain. So she prayed for these people, and she would always come and tell me, "Come and see what God has done." Hey, come and see what God has done. This is somebody that had diabetes. Hey, this person has been, you know, very dramatic. Hey, God, God, oh, God, what can you not do? You know, and while all of that was happening, she was battling with sinuses. And for those of you who don't know what sinuses is, it's where, you know, you have a nasal congestion. You can hardly breathe. There's always mucus, overproduction of mucus. Breathing is hard. It's just a mess. Like, you know, that's what sinuses is. And... It was really bad for her, and she was always praying to God every morning. God help me. God, you are you are healing people. Help me. You are healing people. Help me. You know, and she'll still take the supplements. You know, she'll still take the supplements. She'll still take the medicine. And I remember 2000, and that was 2016. She's had it for a long time, even way before. But I remember that 2016 when she started really praying for people more. Um, people were getting healed, and then switch over to 2018. Which took like two years, right? 2018. This thing cleared. Since 2018 or 2017 ending. One of the two. It was gone. It was gone. She would sleep. She would wake up clear. Like she, 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 if you call her now, if you know my mom, you can call her. This is her story. She's healed. It's not come back again. Even when the extreme cold weather. She might have some more cut her, but that's it. Not, not sinuses. Gone. 
And you know, one thing she'll tell me is that see, she's the one that taught me that that particular thing, and I phrased it a different way. She said that when it comes to my faith in God, it cannot end. And that, in her own way, she's saying that faith has no expiry date. Like, are you going to put God um, in your own timeline? While, yes, we expect God to, to do what he does best and heal, at the end of the day, like, you, you, sh- you have to resist the temptation to go by your circumstances, right? To go by what you're experiencing in those moments. I can talk of some of the great healing evangelists who are healing people, thousands, hundreds of thousands in crusades, and they themselves were battling with problems at home with their children. But God always comes through eventually. And and sometimes I don't have the answers as to why that happens, why there's a delay, like what's the point? Are you trying to teach us something? I Like, of course, God is not trying to teach you something by keeping you in pain. But at the end of the day, it's something that we would know at the other side. But one thing is sure, if God has done this before, if it's in his word, and if if you have personally said you've seen this happen by your own hands, people have been healed, still the same healing power. There are some cases where, and here's the thing, here's, please take this, what what I'm saying now, take it very, take it with a pinch of salt, and also take it based on my own experience in ministry. There are some miracles that would not happen on your own account. There are some miracles that will never happen until someone else steps in, even you who have caused miracles to happen, until someone else steps in to cause that miracle for you. So it's kind of the case of, there are some things, even as a teacher of the word, as a Bible teacher, you will never understand unless you are taught. Because that's how God allows the body to supply to each other where there's no one who is solely dependent on themselves, but God allows every other person in the body of Christ to supply needs to each other. That's how he structured the body. So what I'm saying in essence is there's some times where the healing, there are times I've prayed for myself and I've received healing. It shouldn't be the norm, honestly, if I'll be honest, but it happens. I just, I just touch a part of my body that has a pain. It goes. Easy peasy. But sometimes it doesn't, and I have to call someone, please pray for me, lay hands on me, and it works. So sometimes I think that there is just a thing of, it's dynamic. When it comes to healing, first principle you need to know is it's dynamic. There's no one hard, fast rule. But one thing is sure, God heals. He's the healer, Jehovah Rapha. He heals. It's in his nature. But how the healing comes, that's another question. Will the healing come? I believe so. I believe that God is faithful. And no matter how long it takes, he will come through. But sometimes, sometimes it need, it takes someone else to step into your situation and minister to, to, to meet that need. That's why a lot of people who are boxed up and don't seek help usually end up not benefiting a lot of God's blessings because they don't speak up because they're not al- allowing themselves to be ministered to by other people. So that might be the case for you, might not be the case. And I know personally your situation, so, and I've already reassured you of what I believe. So one thing is for sure, don't give up ever. That's the worst mistake you can ever, to draw back in unbelief. There are several, if you read the book of Hebrews alone, several warnings about drawing back in unbelief. You know, it's better you didn't even believe in the first place at all. 
than for you to have seen, tasted, believed, and then you intentionally say, you know what, I'm done. Peace. Peace God. No. Don't ever try it. Um, keep up the faith. One thing about faith is as much as you hold on to faith, faith holds on to you. Right? That's how that's how it works in the kingdom. So um long long answer short, keep believing. Um seek every opportunity to be ministered to. Um and yeah, and keep keep ministering to people, keep getting people healed, keep doing the work of the Lord, unshaking, unmoved, focus on him and not what you're going through. All right. And yes, yes on medicine, much, medicine is not a sin. Medicine, medicine is not a sin. It can be sinful when it's a direct replacement of God's power in your life completely. But medicine is helpful. God has given wisdom and science to help us solve issues that you know we don't even need to spend too much time praying about. But um, there's a balance to it. Take medicine, but trust the power of God. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, PK. Awesome. So moving to the I next I have a question, question for everybody at the end. So please remind me. I have a question to ask everyone. Yeah. Okay, sir. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, right? <laughs> at all. Yeah, but I'm going to ask. All right. Okay, so the next question is from Anonymous. I need wisdom in trading in. Okay, sorry, hold on. I need wisdom in trading in my be abusive relationship between my neighbor, a single father, and his children. I want to help, but I don't know how. Huh. Did, I, so, did I take it again or did you get it? Anonymous? Yes, Anonymous. Okay. <laughs> So, this, okay, it's a serious matter. This person has a neighbor who is a dad and abuses his children and wants to intervene, but is not sure of how to go about it, right? Yeah, it says might be, though. person said might be abusive relationship. Might be abusive with his children, right? Yeah, with his children. So, it's a single father, not married. Yeah. Hmm. And is a neighbor. Hmm. Man, I mean, in the in the kind of country we're in, um, Nigeria is <laughs> top of my head. If it was another country, I knew I already had some ideas. But in the kind of culture and country that we live in, these are things that really you can't. At the end of the day, if you want to take up any issue. To be honest, first, I feel the first place is this. It's good that you have a concern, but no one just, no one goes all the way for a concern or a hunch that you have or a feeling or an idea or a belief that you have. People, people act on evidence. That's why even if you have a case in university where, you know, Mr. Lecturer, excuse me, sir, I don't know what to do. And Mr. Lecturer is saying, oh yeah, I know what you can do, you know. If you, if you report the person to the vice chancellor or something, you're wasting your time. Where is the evidence? Right? And we know some examples. It was only until evidence started to surface that action was taken. So um, in a case like this, it's the same thing. If you can find a way 
so if, even if it's going near to the house, you hear shouts or screams and you record. This one is different. If it's a husband and wife, it's different. If it's a father and children, in the, in the culture we're in, it's excusable. Uh-uh, you should not discipline his children again. You should not flog them. I beg, leave this one. You know? So, if until you can prove that this is a really, this is a serious matter, a matter of life and death, these kids are being abused, whether physically, emotionally, um, verbally, sexually, whatever form they are being abused, you need some evidence. If it's visiting, um, recording, if it is even in, somehow interacting with the children themselves to get their direct feedback, all these things help. Second step after getting evidence is try to get someone who's, who has a middle ground with this family, whether it's an auntie, someone who knows them, who you can express your concern to. But if it gets out of hand and it's becoming life-threatening, man, I don't even know. Saying this doesn't even sound right, but take it up with the police. <laughs> take it up with the police. Or if you, you don't want to take it up with the police because you don't think they would take it seriously, involve a foundation that does this well. Um, I know for sure the, the foundation I told you about, the Christiana Kindolia Foundation, they do this very well. So they do their own, they have their own strategy, they investigate, they find out what's happening, they talk to the children, they find a way to do it, um, check the family, who else is involved in the family that can intervene, and then they take it up with the police, right? They have friends in those places of power, and boom, it becomes an issue and it's resolved. They can take the kids away from the man for a while, but at the end of the day, it's complicated. After you take the kids away for a while from the man, where does that leave them? Who do they stay with? Who do they live with? You know, it's a huge adjustment in their life. So while you want to help, first of all, look at the big picture. What is the end goal? What do you want to achieve by escalating this? First of all, you want them to be safe, which is very good. But you have to think of longevity. What happens to them afterwards, right? What approach are you going to take in this matter, right? So I've given an example. Get evidence. Find a family member who can intervene. If not, go through a foundation and even get some evidence by talking to the children recording video recording audio recording things like that if not escalate to a foundation who can escalate to the police or law, law enforcement right and then get these children help take them through a trauma center that can take care of them to help them heal to help them go through that look this is not what a relationship with the father should be like because it helps them eventually get to be in a good position where they can believe God and know God as a good father. So it's good to take them through that process so that they know, yes, this is not, I knew it, this is not what a father should be like. This is what a real father should be like. And it's not our fault. It's not because we are messed up or we're broken. It's his fault, you know. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say to Anonymous. hope that helps. I hope to. Okay, thank you, PK. That was insightful. I didn't even know what to do. Well, um, just a question, please. Um, what happens like long term? What if you can't find like a long term plan for these children to help them? Because you know when you're thinking of family members with the economy, you're thinking of school fees, right? Um, I don't know how how many foundations are opening are open to um sponsoring them, right? And that thing is that they need a um a parent figure in their life so so how do you handle that uh 
so there's the issue of i mean if it's well handled and the matter is taken to court school will not be a problem for these kids if it's well handled the husband the, the father should provide for them regardless right it's child care what do they call it child support yeah it's it's so it's something that is expected of the father to do to support the children even as he's separated from them or is going through trial or whatever um but as regarding having a parental figure those are things that i know some foundations offer it's not the same thing but some foundations offer um guardians and mentors that can take care of these children there are cases where because of the absence of parents some of these mentors have adopted and be became the legal guardians of these children by the end of the day there's a family you, you you can't it's wrong to just skip a family entire family line and just assume it's only the father involved their aunties their probably grandparents their uncles you know there are people who you know maybe the man's cousins too or siblings yeah yeah whatever you can there, there, there could be someone who can take up that position and if truly there is no one you're absolutely positively sure there is no one then you have to remove a foundation or you yourself also be involved one way in their lives if because the concern came from you god put that concern i believe in your heart um while you you might not right away adopt them or be there for them every time you um or be a father figure or mother figure it helps for you to somehow be involved and actively help them transition through that very terrible painful process till they have the right mentality their mindset makes sense concerning your family parenting and 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 just life in general so i think that's what i'd advise thank you yeah okay so we are going to take a live question now if you're on mixer drop your question in the chat section if you're on zoom please put up your hand and i'll ask you to unmute your mic david you can go ahead Okay. Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. Hi, David. Okay, so I actually, I actually have two questions, but I guess I'll, I'll break them. Okay. Um, I'll take step on the second session. Uh, first, I wanted to ask, like, do you think we can abuse the gift of tongues or use it wrongly? Um, yeah, that's what I'm like. Is there a wrong way to pray in tongues? That's okay. What Okay. So I should start with that one? Yes. Let me start with that. Okay. So is there a wrong way to use tongues or is there a way that tongues can be abused? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% possible. Um, top of my head, one thing that I can say is, of course, if the tongues are invented or fabricated, that's abuse where you're bringing a counterfeit you know, um, there are circles where they are taught to speak in tongues. Not the way you think of being taught to speak in tongues, but like they are giving you manuscripts that you say, say, rodo. When you're hungry, say, ata, rodo, 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 rodo. <laughs> when you're angry, shege, 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 you know. So they have all these things. It's directly an abuse. But when it comes to actual tongues like you are inspired by the spirit first corinthians 14 was designed literally 
to curb the abuse of tongues and prophecy, right? The guidelines were put there. When you speak in tongues, don't do it to disrupt people. Make sure you have a word to interpret so that people can benefit. So if it's a word that you're meant to, if you're meant to give administration in, in a meeting and a gathering, don't do it without having something that can benefit every other person. This is different from a prayer language where you can pray to yourself and pray to God, which Paul says, if you don't have an interpretation, an interpretation, pray to God and pray to yourself. But you don't just come in front of people and just you maybe take the mic and start say, speaking in tongues over them. I speak in tongues over you right now. Shada bra takito sotos. Receive, receive. May the hearer understand. Mm -mm, you have messed up. It's it's an abuse of the gift, right? Um, yeah, and maybe another form of abuse of tongues is when it's wrongly taught, when it's wrongly misconstrued as. Um, it's a mild, this is a milder case, but when it's misconstrued as just an earthly language that. The tongues you are speaking is Chinese or is Japanese. You're that's, that's you're speaking Japanese. That you are speaking tongues. That was wrong. That was wrong. So, um, yeah, those are just typical ways that tongues can be abused. Yeah. So when it is, when it is fabricated, when it doesn't edify, um, in a gathering of believers, when you're supposed to edify. And when it is misconstrued as an earthly language. Yeah. Okay. Is that okay, so, uh, like in it can kind of like in like my own personal life, is it possible for you to pray in tongues and not be built up like personal? You know how the Bible talks about how like we're edified when we when we do this. Yeah. Is there a way is there a way to feel edified or how do I actually like is there a way to pray in tongues and it feels like, like you didn't really fellowship or I don't know if it's a, it's more like a feeling thing or whether you actually just did it wrong. Mm, that's a good question. Um I'll be very honest with you to say yes and no. So baseline of our relationship with God at every point is faith. Faith in Him. When you believe the gospel and you put faith in the work that Jesus came to do, you didn't have to feel the sensations. Maybe they were byproducts. You felt nice. You had gospel bumps. Sorry, goosebumps. You felt all of that. You you experienced the high of salvation. But at the end of the day, even if you were the other guy on the other side that didn't feel anything, but the person got saved. Like imagine the guy on the cross with Jesus, who got saved on the cross and believed. It was not. It was not like, ooh, I feel he was in pain. Papa was dying. So but he was saved. He got saved. At the end of the day, it's it's about faith. Primarily faith. So when you come to tongues and you're praying in tongues, you pray in tongues because you believe God gives you the utterance by his spirit. And you pray in tongues. There are times when you're filled with the spirit, it feels like you're drunk with wine. You know, when it says be filled with the spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled in excess. Um, don't be drunk with wine, wearing in excess, but be filled with the spirit, right? It can come with those emotions. It can come with those vibes and those feelings of excitement. But the building and the edification happens spiritually. You are edified physically by food and exercise. You are 
edified in your soul by information, by whether it's the Bible or it's books, you are built by the information you get. But in your spirit, you're built by tongues. And it's not something you necessarily have to feel. You don't wake up and say, I feel my spirit dancing in my body. You don't feel. It just happens. And how it's not that as much as you can't feel it, it's, it's discernible. While you might not be able to feel it all the time or the effect of it, it is discernible. When you are able to handle more than you were able to do before when it comes to spiritual matters or even mundane matters, when you are able to to walk in the fruit of the Spirit more, regardless of what your flesh is telling you to do, those are evidences that your capacity in the Spirit has increased. When you are able to take on more responsibilities than you naturally would, when you are able to flow more in the gifts of the Spirit than you normally would, those are signs that, look, you've built yourself spiritually. And tongues is that tool to help lay those bricks and build your spirit man. Does that make sense? So feelings or no feelings, believe that you are doing. The Word of God says it. If you pray in tongues, you are building your spirit man, and that is exactly what is happening, whether you feel it or you don't. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Um, the second, the second being the fact that okay, I guess I'll just wait for the online question and ask the second. Thing. I don't know. Sorry, should can I say that again? Up? I know we're doing like we're alternating, so I don't know. Should I wait for the written question? I, I leave that to Chazam to decide. Okay, because of those that dropped their questions earlier on the link, I think we should hold on. Um, so in the next live session, David can ask his question. Okay. okay sure. Can we just take a, a a break to be sure that everyone here on the call is is here? Because it feels like the chats are are very scanty, so it feels like people are not maybe here. But can we just check? Can you guys hear us? Are you here? Are you excited? Hi, we are here. Uh, yes, right oh, here. awesome! Hey, look at them. They're coming out of hiding. We're trying not to chat. Oh, okay, okay. Yesterday is quite weird. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right, just if you can just chat, like maybe something that was answered resonates with you. We have a point to add or something. Just put it in the chat section. Let's just be sure that you're all here. Okay. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right, Chazam, please go ahead. Okay, so, thank you, sir. So over to the next question. Someone is asking, and this is from Anonymous, how does one handle a verbally abusive parent? Hmm. Anonymous? Yes, sir. Anonymous. Very soon, we'll make a rule that no question is anonymous. <laughs> Um, but I, I know that everybody likes the space to be able to ask freely, so that's good. Um, how do you handle an abusive parent? It's even worse when both parents are now verbally abusive. Um, if one is, man. Okay. First of all, first of all, <laughs> the truth is when parents get verbally abusive, or just inconsiderate to their children, many times it's because they're re replicating the things that have, they have experienced with, their, with the parenting that their parents did with them. Many times it's transferred because they don't know any better. This is all that they've known all their lives. And I mean, why not subjugate my children to the same thing? Some people it's based on 
issues that they never dealt with, right? Um, whether you're a believer or not, there are issues that need to be dealt with. You've had a sharp mouth all your life. You profane words all the time. It's naturally so you're going to say those things to your children. So a lot of parents just had unchecked vices that they never thought was was a big deal, and now they're transferring to their children. Some rare cases, some parents are jealous of their children because their children are things that they could never be, and so there's just some sort of jealousy. Especially happens. This this is just statistically, especially with the mothers to their first daughters. Some people say it's because maybe the first daughters are the apple of the husband's eye, so they're almost like a replacement for the wife yeah those things actually happen it's not just in nollywood it does happen um i know of personal cases like that um so there's just a lot of reasons behind it i think it's it's best always to define the source of the problem where is this coming from and there's some cases where let's be frank the child is just very silly the child is just a very silly nincompoop really the child is just just looks for trouble and whatever happens and i'm not justifying verbal abuse of any form but it's incites verbal abuse when you are troublesome you don't listen you everything your parents tell you for your safety for your good you just disobey outrightly you you, you had it coming for you it's your fault um so i don't know whether it's the fault of the child or not in this case however whatever the case is Good parenting must never um, use verbal abuse as a tool to discipline children, never. Now, there are places where you can spank children. And there's a thin line between discipline and abuse, right? Even verbally, there's a thin line between discipline and abuse. Um, abuse is when it's done not out of love, when it's done out of anger, when it's done out of hatred, when it's done out of spite or irritation, that's abuse. Whatever it is, it's abuse. But if it's done out of love, like, I want to correct this child, I want to help you come to your senses, then that's a form of discipline. But in a case like that, first identify whether the issue is yours, then. It's, it should be easy. It shouldn't be hard. Am I the one at fault? Am I doing something wrong? Or is it them? If it's really you, then apologize. Get right with them, you know. Try to stay out of their way as much as possible. And just do better. But if it's the other way around, if it's their fault, man, <laughs> you'll be thinking of ways to escape the house. Because to be honest with you, while I trust God, there are cases where God intervenes and he helps people. But God hardly intervenes with people who are not ready to change or they don't even realize there's a need for them to change. He's a gentleman. He will not enforce salvation on anyone. He will not enforce transformation on anyone. So if your parents are hardened, rebellious, angry tyrants, they might just be that way for a very long time unless they have someone who intervenes so you really should stay out of their way look at those things that trigger them like those moments whether it's when they are very tired and you're just getting back home or when you leave your shoe at the entrance or you you know keep you take something of theirs and you don't return it things like that avoid it you don't wash the plates or you don't wash your clothes all those things avoid them don't give them any reason let it be like Daniel's case where they try to find any reason to implicate you, but except prayer. It's prayer that they used to implicate your hand. Let that be your own. But just be, just stay out of their way and look for an escape route. Like find a way to be mature on time 
get some good money you know get a good wife or get a good husband that you can love and marry and you know start a family shops because <laughs> in the case of that i can't always guarantee that they will come around i just can't unless there are people who are teachable and they have someone who in authority can call them to question like ah, you can't treat your children like that if they don't have that authority over their lives man there's n i'm sorry but it's just a very slim chance except by the mercies of god that that situation will change so it's god in that moment will give you patience i believe pray for the patience of god pray for his wisdom to know how to handle the situation and an escape routes whether it's you have to go for your masters or you have a job that takes you outside or whatever it is or you have to save money and share an apartment with a friend by the time you're done with school go for it go for it your mental health is important you need to protect it and then afterwards you need to start to go through a renewal process that look this is how my parents did i will do better i'm not going to be my parents I'm not even going to intentionally try to right every wrong. I will just be the example of what a good parent should be, according to the scriptures, who loves their children, who does not cause their children to be angry, provoke them to anger. That's very important. Okay? So that's what I would say about this issue. Thank you, BK. Uh Okay, so we'll take a life question. Um, I just have a suggestion. I think I want to ask it to everyone in the room. Um, for questions on the, I know I said I'm taking questions like my highest votes for, uh, I think moving forward to enable people ask their questions on time and to appreciate those who take out time to ask their questions on time. We'll be answering questions from next Q&A based on um, the order which was asked. So from the old desk ask questions, like based on time. So the first person to ever ask a question will be the first person to get their question answered. So um, I think we can start out from next week since I didn't state that earlier. But yeah, just so everyone can take notes. But over to David because he said he wanted to ask another question. How about again? We'll meet All you right. So this question is more of like, it's a question that has been in my mind for a while. And probably the longest, actually, longest, probably one of the longest questions I've had in faith. Um, so I think the Bible kind of, and I've probably heard, I've heard from some men of God, and the Bible also speaks of it as well, in how like your spiritual experience or the experience in your walk with God can be subject to your beliefs. I think I've heard someone make mention that these um, you know, spiritual prophets are just perfect. And so maybe you could have had like, let's say, like, let's say like some people in the older generation, how, you know, maybe because of their lack of knowledge in terms of like God's love and everything. So God could be speaking to them, but because of the mental filters that they have of their beliefs, right? Mm. Um, they interpret God as this prophet, prophet of doom every time because they probably never really got to understand the New Testament well enough. So when they have this perspective of a prophet, they see an Elijah kind of person and so, like, just how the deeper and the more you understand things in God, the different you experience, the more your experience changes based on your knowledge. Mm. Um, the question I want to know is, that first of all, is that true, number one? Number two, then how sure can you be that 
the experience that you're currently having with God is not as a result of culture, it's not as a result of your own exposure. Like, what assurance can you ever get on this earth that you really got to know God, like, for God, and not influenced by your, um, by circumstances, your knowledge, your knowledge gaps, and all those kind of things, you get Hmm. Let me. Can you summarize this question in, in one sentence? Let me be sure I understand you. Okay, I'll I'll say. Um, how can you really? How can you really know that you know sure that you you really worked with, not worked with God, but like you were really close to the fullness of what it meant to work with God, and you were not influenced by beliefs and maybe culture and things that were passed down from. You half understanding and all this kind of stuff you get okay i get you i get you so i'll just say this outrightly i think it's a great question um and i'll just say it this way that at the end of the day understanding an infinite god in a finite world with a finite mind within a finite time is impossible it's absolutely impossible to do that completely however god has chosen over time through over 40 authors 66 books to express introduce make himself known to the world and yes these are traditions that have been passed down from when moses wrote about it in genesis to when even the apostles emphasized the knowledge and revealed the knowledge of God. These are beliefs that were passed down. And these are not people that had 100% understanding of God, but they had enough understanding of God. What was necessary, what was important, what was vital. And it was passed down. So at the end of the day, you're an influence of people's belief systems about God. But we trusted by faith that this is how God revealed himself because it's coherent, it makes sense, it adds up. It's, it's logical. It appeals to our logic. When when Paul said in Romans 1 that we see the invisible qualities of God, we know instinctively in nature that God's fingerprint is in all creation. So it's not illogical, the things that have been passed down to us through Christian literature. Um, but beyond literature, when it comes to relationship and knowledge, that's something that each person has to experience with each other. But you can't have good relationship with someone when the fine print of your relationship, the the bylaws of your relationship, or the literary part of your relationship doesn't add up as well. So if I know if what I know about David on paper is David David is a fraudulent guy, he's a player, he used to sleep around, he used to drink, he used to beat his dog, which is a sin. Um, <laughs> he used to do all these things. And you just have that but if i want to have a relationship with you i i will struggle because of the idea i have about you so what is on paper what is in the fine print actually eventually affects the experiential part of your knowledge of someone there is the literary part of your of your knowledge but there's the experiential part so you have to be careful that the literary part of what you know about god is true it adds up that you're not seeing him the tyrant as a wicked God, you're seeing him as revealed in Jesus Christ in the new covenant. You see that he's not evil, but he's just, and we can confuse the two for each other. 
when you see the heart of God in the person of Jesus and you see his heart in your life, in your experiences, it helps you get to know him to the extent to which you are able to in this finite world, finite mind, and finite time. I hope that helps answer the question. So there will be a time where all knowledge will be revealed. You will know God for who he is, and it will add up to the majority of what you know, but you start to see dimensions that your brain could not even fathom while you were here on earth. When that happens, all things, like tongues, prophecy will pass away, but you, you will know all things in that moment. It will be revealed. There will be nothing hidden from you. All right. I hope that helps. Okay, so like, um, so like Jesus is, Jesus, um, like in literary understanding, like a clear literary understanding of the person of God through Jesus is the best we can have on this, like, um, for an experiential, a literary understanding of Jesus is the closest to understanding the fullness of God, which would influence your experiential relationship with God until the parts is done away with that we see perfectly um, when uh, he returns. So Jesus is the exactly. is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, the Bible says in John one eighteen, we are very correct. John one eighteen, I believe, says that um, no man has seen God at any time, except the only begotten Son. Him had he, him as um, had the Father. He had he has declared the Father to us. What that scripture was saying, no one has seen God at any time. But except the Son of God, who was in perfect relationship and perfect fellowship with God, and it's Him that the Son has revealed. So we get to see the, the you know, Jesus being the express image of the invisible God. He came to reveal the character and, and remove all the contradictions, confusions surrounding the character and person of God. So yes, that's the best you'll get, and the, and that's the best that we will ever get. It's more than enough. But of course. Your understanding will deepen when you cross to the other side of eternity. But for now, that's the template we have. That's what is that what shows us the heart of God, the person of Jesus, because Jesus himself is God. Okay. Okay, so thank you. Thank you, PK. So we'll be going over to the slider link to take a question from there. We'll be back to Dami next. So the question is from Charles Amdim. Why did Jesus tell the paralyzed man that his sins were forgiven rather than just heal him? Was it to let people know that he could forgive sins? Yes and yes. Um, <coughs> but that was not the main reason. That's a very good question. Who is it from? Charles Am, right? Yeah, Charles I don't know if she's on the call. Okay, but let's see. I don't know. Either. So... I think she left. She left over. Yeah. Because I'm seeing... I don't think looks, she's radical. There's someone that yeah, looks I like her. I don't think me. so. Someone that looks like her, but I don't know. Yeah, but we'll just, we'll just take it. She'll probably catch up later. Okay, maybe she's on Mixler. Maybe she's on, maybe she's on Mixler, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, see, I forgot what I was going to say because I'm playing. Um, so, yeah. At the end of the day... Um, when Jesus was doing that act, when he was going to heal this guy... It was he he was trying to do something right and he asked them a question to prove what he was trying to do this guy was was lame was crippled and they wanted him to heal the guy but he tells the guy that look your sins are forgiven 
And these guys are like, who are you to forgive the sins of a person? He's doing an attribute that only God has the ability to do. And if you now say your sins are forgiven, I just tell someone, if you, if you come, and, come at me and say, prove to me that you are a divine being. I'm like, I have power. I don't need to show you. No, prove it to us. Oh, yeah. Shagun, your sins are forgiven. <gasps> oh, my goodness. You are really God. <laughs> Nobody will do that. Nobody will see you say your sins are okay. Mm, and so, like, bro, really. But if I say Shagun now levitates where you are, boom, and the guy does stranger things, just rises in the air. <laughs> oh boy, you say, my Lord and my God. <laughs> you you would see, because that's, that appeals to your senses. You see the dramatic, you see the spectacular, you see the miraculous. Same thing, Jesus said, which one is easier to say? That your sins are forgiven or to say to this guy, rise up and walk? Rhetorical question. Obviously, the easier thing to say is your sins are forgiven. How do you know someone's sins are forgiven? How do you know you who believe in Christ that your sins are forgiven? You don't you haven't seen it particularly. You don't there wasn't like updates success, successful. You are now forgiven. It, it doesn't happen. You know by faith. So at the end of the day, when it comes to healing, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven than to heal someone. Than to break bread and feed five thousand, than to raise a dead man from, from the grave. And Jesus said this to prove that if he can raise this crippled man, then just maybe, just maybe, he can also forgive sins. And so for those who are receptive, and I believe Nicodemus was amongst them, saw what happened and realized, look, this guy is not, he's not like all the other prophets. This is someone else. This could be the Messiah. And, and that's exactly what they got. They got a Messiah, but they missed it. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, I actually saw it the other way around before. Like, ah, okay. I thought that because he said would forgive sins, then that means he could heal. Well, I think like giving the perspective that you can't really see forgiveness of sins, but the fact that you can see power and the expression of power yeah. and basically proves that uh, if you can do something this great and that people not seen other people do, right? That means he could actually have the ability to forgive sins. Exactly. So yeah, thank you. Exactly. Yeah, you you're right. Okay, tell me. You're next. Okay. Hi, can everyone hear me? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you. So I want to ask a question from Hebrews chapter Hi. 6. I'm sorry, guys. If you're hearing any noise, I'm, I'm just in a night's sleep. But, like, my question is from Hebrews 6. Um... On verse 4, it says that for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people, it is impossible, sorry, to bring such people back to repentance. Da, da, da. I think the kid knows, like, so it's just Hebrews 6 from verse 4 to 6. And I wanted to ask that. Like, who are the people that this statement was referring to? Especially within the context of knowing how that, like, God is able to keep. Because, I mean, the segment literally said they shared 
they experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit. And you can't be a believer without having way through it. So, like, the question is more around, like, um, how do we see? Because God, the Bible also talks about how God is able to keep us from falling. So, um, how does this point to relate with the assurance of the believer um, in eternal life? You're, cor- you're correct, Dami. You're very correct. Yeah, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> it's like you want us to spend 30 minutes on this one. Um, but I, I, I mean, it's a very good question. I would, I would give you, I'll give you something to just help stay in the right direction, free of charge. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to do that. So for those of you who might not have heard what she asked, she asked from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 6, that talks about it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who are once enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gifts, share the good things of the kingdom, who now turn away from God in unbelief. It's impossible to bring them back because they're putting Jesus to an open shame. So <laughs> it seems like a lot of people are dropping off the call. I hope it's not, uh, I hope it's network and not boredom. Um, so anyways, yeah, so Hebrews 6, 4 to 6, is best understood in its context. And what I'll do for you is to read it from the New Living Translation. I wish I had enough time to talk about it. But from the New Living Translation, this is what it says. From verse 4, I'll read downwards. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced. And remember, when, when you read Hebrews when there's a reference to people who put unbelief, there is there is a direct reference to those in the Old Testament. You see references to those in the time of Moses who were leaving the wilderness from Egypt to the Promised Land. You see direct references. So just remember that. Keep that in mind. And when this when this verse um, starts off, it talks about. Um, some Old Testament fundamental teachings, um, repenting of evil deeds, and, and all these things. I, I would try, try to simplify it anyways. But just remember that um, there is a specific reference for, for this people in, in any case. But let's read on. So, it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven, and shared in the Holy Spirit, verse 5, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. Verse 6, and who then turn away from God? It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. So So this is a willing decision. Doesn't tell us how long they've they've tasted of these things, or how they came to this decision, but it says that they make a final decision to step away, to reject the Son of God, to reject Him. They've seen the evidence, they've even shared in it, and they reject Him. Right? They're nailing Him to public shame. Verse seven: When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. So. When the ground soaks up rain, receives rain, and produces fruit, God blesses it. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. This is very deep. Seven and eight. 
But look at verse 9. It says, dear friends, and he's writing to believing Hebrews. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you're meant for better things, things that come with salvation. Verse 10, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. And he goes on and goes on and goes on. Verse 11, it says, then you will, verse 12, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So even as he's writing these instructions and these warnings and, you know, talking about how people, he had just finished talking about people who had rebelled against God, who had turned away in the wilderness. And he comes here and says, if in a similar case, if someone has come to know the Lord, experience of this, and just like those guys had experienced the wonders of God, they had seen the Red Sea part, they were accompanied by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They had seen these things, they had tasted of manna, they had drunk from water from a rock, they had experienced it, and some of them still turned away. They perished in the wilderness. The Bible tells us they actually perished. It says in a similar manner, those who come to know the Lord actually see the evidence, see his truth. It's compelling and still decide to reject him in unbelief. They can be brought to repentance. There will be a condemnation. As the farmer condemns a field that produces thorns and thistles, so will you know, they be condemned as well. It's, it corroborates what John 3.18 says. The one who does not believe is condemned already because they have not believed in the only begotten Son of God. It's all about unbelief. But we see that the writer of Hebrews says, look, I know I'm saying this about this. I'm trying to warn you. But about you guys who have been in the faith, who have groomed, I believe better things about you concerning salvation. I, I don't believe this applies to you. All right. So that's, a, that's just me trying to answer this without going too much into some exegesis. But just to read the context, you, you have an idea, especially when you read the pretext in chapter f- 3, chapter 4, and you read here the post-text in, chapter, in verse 9 of this chapter 6, you get a better idea of who is being addressed, the purpose of what he's saying. It's a warning. It's a charge. There's also a confidence that, look, I know that you guys who God has started this work, he will bring it to completion in your lives. This doesn't apply to you, but anyone who has this temptation to go back in unbelief, look, this is how it ends. It never ends well. So, yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, it definitely does. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, too. That's a good question. Thank you, PK. So, um, next question says, Sir, please, could you share practical wisdom on percentage of income to budget for generosity such that you are not being a fool by giving out so much? Ah, this is good. This was something that I wish I really spent time on in our teaching on Sunday. Or because of time, I couldn't. When it comes to generosity, remember, and this anonymous right is it an anonymous question man this is not a question that needs to be anonymous but okay <laughs> it's just something that's asking don't worry <laughs> it's you i'm the one asking yeah, no, yeah okay thank you for being honest so and so that's how 
all these questions can even be your questions. You just put anonymous, anonymous. No, 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 no. It's okay. my own. I always own up. I always own up. <laughs> okay, okay. It's my own. I own up. All right, all right. So, um, when it comes to generosity, remember, God expects hundred percent from you. He expects hundred percent, and that doesn't mean every time you are giving first fruits. Ah, first fruits, boom! Every salary you are dropping it. That's that's foolishness. You you will suffer. You would cry. God, you will pray to God. He will not. He would have answered you with your salary, but you are still dropping your salary. So, <laughs> um, that's not God's idea. But the 100% means God wants a cheerful giver and it's according to what you are able to give. Sometimes beyond what you are able to give in some cases. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I can't give a particular percentage. But what, it, what, what helps is to have some sort of fixed percentage. So if your generosity includes church, if it includes philanthropy, it includes siblings and family you can split it if you decided to do out of everything you have you decide to use 10% for that or let's say 20% for example and you say you know what I want to be consistent I want to make 10% for my givings to the church whether you call it a tithe or you just call it a percentage you say okay 10% I want to fix to discipline myself I commend you. That's brilliant. That's smart. So you put 10%, you say, okay, this one shall enter. If I if there's still more, according as I can give, I'll still give more. Then the remaining 10%, I can split it. I have siblings. Let me give them 4%. I have, you know, I want to, or let me give them 3%. I have parents that I, I want to just spoil once in a while. Let me give them another 3%. Oh, there's this charitable organization and, and orphanage that I love, and my, uh, maybe widows, for example, that are struggling a lot in your community. Okay, let me give the remaining 4% to them. You split your 20% to church, philanthropy, family, and you're generous. Do you understand? It doesn't mean you're giving your 100% for it. If you see a need for that and God leads you to do that for any given case and you feel you can do that, maybe you're, you're talking about your salary now. You want to give that 100%. It's, it's sometimes wise to be sure that you have some sustenance, right? right? Unless it's, it's a direct instruction from the Lord, like in the case of the early church where they were directly commanded to sell their property, everything, and share. At the end of the day, they were sharing with each other, so everybody was still going to benefit from it. But if you're saying you want to give it out, you don't want anything, this world is not your own. God is your father. He, he sees the spiral. He sees me. Okay. I wish you all the best. So, But yeah, just just plan it every month. And then some months you might decide to increase, some months you might decide to decrease. But just have something that you do every month. And I think a balanced, balanced generosity should extend to all these things. Um, I think as God blesses us, we need to start looking outwardly more. We should look to sponsor children to school. We should look to assisting people uh, one way or the other, assisting our parents, giving gifts to our parents. Guys, that thing, the bless. and I'm not saying do it for blessings, but there's blessing there that you give gifts for your parents. They receive it and they are happy. Ha. You don't know what happened with Jacob and Esau. That after Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau, 
Esau came and said, ah, you blessed the wrong brother. He said, there's nothing I can do. He has collected. It was, such, it was like it was a tangible thing that, you, you know, do you understand? That was the idea of the blessings in those days. It's carried weight. It still does. So I says, honor your father and your mother. So your days will be long. The reason why some people are dying is because your parents, <laughs> let me not talk. All right. So I hope you, you understand. Uh, thank you. Answer. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, over to the lapo. Yay, it's finally my turn. Hi, Piki. <laughs> Hi, the lapo. How are I'm, you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Hi, the lapo. Hi. So, my question is about um, there's this thing, right? People go to the mountain to pray, right? So, I just want to know that what's like, what is the, is it like, like the way they do it though is like they think it's like there's a higher like their prayers get answered more, that kind of thing. So you see that some of the people there would actually like be using <laughs> special water, that kind of thing. So like is there really any point to that? And I have another question. I don't want to wait again. So I'm still going to ask it like that, Yazam. Thank you very much. Um so on the issue of anger, right? You talked about that synergy. Like, is there any kind of anger that's like valid? Like, let's say, oh, uh, maybe, I don't know. Is there any kind that's like really valid? Maybe like as a child, you found out um, your parent was like um, cheating or something. Is there any kind that's valid like that? slash how does a person heal from that okay man those, yeah. those are brilliant questions very smart very smart um okay so the first one was about mountains right you know yes mountain yeah it's a mountain, mountain you know of maybe fire um mountain of fire mountain of fire Sorry, no, sorry, sorry. That was no, a I'm like in Ocean State. I've been to one, like in Ocean no, State, wait, there are a lot no. of mountains. People used to go there, right? So, like, I just want to know, sleep like, sleep what's of the tongue. point? Sleep of tongue, sorry. <laughs> uh, mountain, right? There's no fire there. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> okay, so. Uh, so yeah, people do that because for different reasons. People, um, people. First of all, you need to realize that sometimes people mean mountains metaphorically. So some people when they say I'm going to the mountain, no, it doesn't literally mean a physical mountain. Some people just want a quiet place, and this is actually where they get it from. When Jesus was going to pray, Bible said will say he reclined from them and went to the Mount of Olives to pray. He rose up early in the morning to the mount and to pray. So the mountain represents solitude. It represents seclusion. It represents, um, you know, separation just so that you have peace and quiet with God. Um, and so I believe some people who actually go to physical mountains want to get away from the city life, want to go away from where it's boisterous and noisy and just be able to concentrate on God. And that's healthy. I think it's really good um so if, but if the motivation for doing it is 
you are now high on this mountain and you can reach the most high you have missed road you should just come down from that mountain sharp sharp so if that's the idea it's not it's not true the, the water you're using the elements you're using it means nothing to god whether you are jesus answered that question for the samaritan woman he said neither in jerusalem not neither in this mountain or in jerusalem uh, you know it doesn't mean anything now the true worshipers worship god in spirit and in truth which is the truth so at the end of the day we have relationship with god regardless of geographical location but if you find in wisdom that look this is a quiet place you know lekki is a crazy place bagada ikeja is noisy let me go to this place let me go to budukatu ranch let me go to olumorok you know for example let me just go somewhere i can clear my mind and pray and be get some fresh air by all means please do it it should be a practice for your retreats um just make sure you're safe it's a mountain right so make sure you're safe but yeah it's it works it's it's a good practice but the motivation is what matters um so yeah does that help does that answer your question on that yes okay but then there are other people that like i don't know how to put it no, like yes yeah, some people pray there because of their trying to get away meanwhile some other i don't know they sort of treat god like he's um should i say all these babalawo houses do you know what i mean yeah yeah the one like that, that, that's, that's, yes yeah no 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 that's but, something else that's another type of religion that, that's, that's, mm, exactly that's necessary that's the second question <laughs> cheers i will not be angry angel thank you so your question on the second question. yes yes there's there are very very good times where your anger is valid right i i do believe that there was a type of anger jesus had which was valid and justifiable i call it holy wrath and it's what drove him to chase those money changers in the temple do you understand yeah. drove him to change like why would you turn my 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 father's house to a den of thieves it was a righteous anger the same kind that god has god has righteous wrath against sin so if your anger is fueled by a distaste in sin you are angry that there's sin in a place or when you just see a movement in pop culture maybe you're watching a show and they just say oh my effing christ and you're upset like how would they use my my lord's name that way how dare you or they say things like do you know that jesus was gay you know how would they have 11 disciples and nothing happened you know people say all oh, the comedians do all this rubbish and some people can watch this thing like hey, it's true it's true jesus <laughs> you are silly and you, you, he's not lord in your life that's the truth if you really honor god it's things would, would grip your heart and make you sorrowful and angry if you see social justice or injustices for example where there's rape or there's 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 racism or systemic racism or things that are just happening in society that shouldn't be happening and you have anger towards it it's justifiable you're actually representing god in that way i'm not saying you should fight every social injustice battle there's it can be a distraction don't put your mouth in everything you know choose the battles to fight but if it's now one that's close to home where your parents 
there was infidelity involved. That's also righteous anger, I believe, where there was immorality, sexual immorality that happened. You were upset. But that kind of anger can easily turn sour and can easily lead to sin. Anger in itself is not always sin. It's the fruit, it's the result of your anger, the actions you take from that, that will define whether what you're doing is sin or not. So if what you if you what you start to grow is bitterness and malice, the fruit of the spirit of the of the flesh, I beg your pardon, and you're growing those things, harboring them, that's when it becomes sin. But if you're angry to correct, you're angry because it just hurts and it's painful, it's understandable. It's valid, it's justifiable. But don't stay there. That's that's the encouragement. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't you can be angry and not sin, you know. So that's what I would say about that. Okay, sir. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. So you answer the part of letting go. The part of what? She says something about letting go. <laughs> oh yes, yes. You did mention that um, that, and if you're upset and you're angry, how do you heal from that? um man i think it's really been when you are angry it's it's it represents a lot of bottling in a lot of taking in you've taken in information you're boiling up on the inside you're like a volcano and when a volcano is agitated it needs to erupt you need to find a place to pour out your agitations it can be in the place of prayer it could be to a trusted friend but don't bottle up don't ever do that is you speak about it, you talk about it to someone who is trusted, not someone that say, Should be I told you, should be you not hear me when I was telling you that your father, why does he have two phones? What is he hiding? You know, don't go, <laughs> don't go to those kinds of friends. You need friends that want your best, they want your family together, right? It can be a, a mentor, it can be someone that you trust who would be able to intervene in the situation if possible. Right, talk about it and you know, just have those conversations. Heal, talk to God about it, and He'll give you the wisdom on how to go about it. If it has to, you have to involve a third party that both of them submit to. Go ahead, they might be upset, but um, trust the wisdom of God to guide you on the timing. She gets if, if, if the family's already in chaos, there's no more. If you're trying to bring a solution. To it, it it will help reduce the chaos than than uh, expedite it, right? So yeah. Okay, sir. All right. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Okay, over to the next question. Uh, please give me a second. So the question says, please, I need someone to talk to about issues I'm facing regarding my family, a blended one. I can't afford a therapist, but I need help. Thank you. Hmm. Anonymous, right? Yes, sir. Um. Hmm. Okay. If if um whoever sent this question, if you're listening here maybe on Mixler or on Zoom, 
and you're going through some tough family situations, please, please talk to me. Please talk to me. Please talk to me. Um, or maybe someone here that you also trust, maybe any of the leaders at Vivify that you, you can talk to and you can open up to. Um, there are a couple of them here. David is here. Chazam is here. Mercy is here. Dami Olajide is here. Um, at least the people I can see here on Zoom can talk to all, any of us. We are always open, always open to this because Daniel is here at Lushagun. Um, so you can always feel free to talk to us. But um, I remember a case, last, the last Q&A we had, there was someone who was suicidal. I don't know if some of you remember, and I asked the person to reach out. Thanks be to God, the person did reach out. And man, we are talking, and things are getting better, and she hasn't felt, she hasn't gone this long that she's gone without having those suicidal thoughts. Because when you reach out for help, you will get help. You'll be better. You'll be stronger. Do you understand? So you can always reach out to me. You can uh, maybe put, we can put the Vivify email as well. Um, I promise you that Vivify email is very monitored. Only, um, only trusted um, handful of people have access to it. If you want to talk to me directly, my email is in the chat section right now. Let's, let's talk about it. There, there's a family, and I'm just going to say this. There was, there was a member of, and we can talk, we're a family. There's a member of Vivify who um, had an issue where her dad molested her for very many years. And the mother found out about it and caused a lot of chaos. But I stepped into the situation, um, got as much help as possible. We intervened. Things got better. Got better. There was forgiveness. The marriage didn't end. She went through a healing process as well. You know what it means to be molested by your own father. It's crazy, but we took it seriously, and we, yeah, we, glory be to God. Things are better. The family is back together. There's healing going on. It happens more than many people think. Parent, I mean, honestly, it's sad that it has to be this way. But there's a lot of infidelity. There's a lot of chaos. Even if it's not infidelity, there's a lot of abuse in marriages. Because people didn't deal with the baggages before they got married. Um, maybe they didn't just, you know, stay enough to know the person they were getting married to well enough and just jumped into it. Um, especially when you have two unregenerate people coming together in a marriage or when the yoke is uneven. It always happens a lot like this. Well, not always, but a lot of the times. So it's not something that is new and it's not something that we can't handle. Um, we'll be able to direct you to the right resources if we see that oh look this is serious and we recommend a professional we will we will do that we will link you to a professional and while doing that we'll also be there for moral support while you're in that process to remind you of your identity your esteem and your worth to the lord and to remind you that look your relationship can be better um, in the future so yeah if that's you send a message send an email i will reply and we'll work on this together. You're not alone. And uh, yeah, you have people who care about you. So yeah. And maybe it's not just this person. If there's any other person too that has a case like that, please feel free. Talk about it. Open up. Don't bottle anything up. It doesn't help. I know it's, it's scary to involve someone in your space, especially because you think they might not understand. But when you open up it's you're being bold you're being courageous it's it's something that god honors when 
we as a church provoke each other into good works and we bear each other's burdens it, it pleases god and you're making that step if you're making that step you're pleasing god yeah so yeah thank you thank you thank you okay david over to you Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Sorry, are you? Are you? Why is it Batman's your voice, voice like that? Why is it Batman's voice? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So this is sound like a very interesting question, and I promise I'm not depressed. Uh, but <laughs> um. If we could sum up like the entire purpose of like you know the like this existence that we have, what do you think what do you think it is? And I'm saying so because like especially as someone who's like navigating making decisions of all of that, I think it's crucial to be able to know the exact point of it all. Because it kind of especially in a season where you're making a lot of decisions that define it for life, you want to make them in line with what the whole point of everything is. So um practically um the bible having a voice in the things that we experience day to day in terms of like job um, where you work where you school where you try to raise your family uh if we could sum the entire experience of what it meant to be human what do you think is the point of why we are here yeah love we're made for love and every action, inaction, experience, occurrence, sorrow, tragedy, joy, every emotion was because we are made for love. God instinctively from the beginning created us for a purpose to love him and to be fully loved by him. And in that way, be pleasing to him. He made us for his pleasure, ultimately. And while there are things we have to go through now that we ought not to have, we have, we go through them anyways because of the fall of man and the disobedience that came with it. Thanks be to God that there is a solution for that. And while we navigate this fallen world and we navigate the pains, we navigate the difficulties and the confusions and the decisions we have to make at every point in time, we must always remember we're made for him, for his love, for his worship in everything that we do that that's that's someone who understands purpose that's someone who understands the reason they were created if you indeed believe you were created then it means we're created for his purpose for his pleasure for his love and he expresses his love to us as a good shepherd that even on this path he's with us he goes with us on these journeys, on the, on, the, on, on these journeys, on the path of righteousness. He leads us. He puts us beside still waters. He's a good shepherd. He doesn't just leave us to play and do whatever we like. He's present. He never leaves. He never forsakes us. So we are for His love. Even as we go about mundane tasks, as we go about difficult situations, we want us to remember that He loves us completely sent his son to die for us so that we can have the opportunity to have fellowship and love him because he first loved us we're made for love 
as the purpose of everything love and that's why love is the most easily targeted concept by pop culture and traditional media people want to give their own def definitions for love but none can ever get it right except the person from whom love came from who is god i don't know if that makes sense yes sir okay yes it might not sound as no, yeah, specific, that but that's the that's the generic answer. Do you ever ask the question like, why? <laughs> this sounds weird, but why? Are we like, like maybe like loving. This sounds like an existential right? discussion. It's no, I, no. What I mean is like, probably like in the case of loving people, and it's just like so tiring and frustrating. It's just like, why should I even love? <laughs> like, mm. what's the point of loving this person? There's no use. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no point. If you ever get to but, a, a place like that, remember that you're actually in a school of love, where you're being trained to love the way God loved, to love unconditionally, to love in spite of. To love when it's convenient, to love when it's not convenient, to love when you're not at fault and they're they're at fault, just like we were with God. We were at fault, he wasn't, and he still loved us. We're in the school of love at the end of the day, and we are better for it. Um but at the end of the day, why 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 are we in in unique places that we're in? Because God wants us to fulfill purpose with our unique positions, unique platforms, unique strengths, unique weaknesses, unique opportunities and privileges. He wants that at the, end, at the end of the day to showcase his love for people, to reconcile the world. And he's going to use everything that we are and everything that we have for that. So that's the purpose at the end of the day. It, and it's worth it because um, when we look at the bigger picture, it's not just about the life here. Like Francis Chan in his description of eternity describes, you know that aglets, right? That's what that thing is called, the aglets, the tip of the shoelace. Those, that plastic part of the shoelace is called the aglets. The aglets compared to the entire shoelace, you know, if as long as the shoelace is, represents our life on the earth, for example. And it's only, it seems so long, sometimes unbearable, but it's just a fraction we're going to encounter on the other side and so whenever you're tempted to just feel like life doesn't have the purpose it's supposed to have or doesn't have the meaning it's supposed to have or have a good direction remember that this is not all that there is there is more to this life and it's a life you've never experienced before unless you experience it so yeah thank you sir thank you too Thank you, PK. Thank you. Okay, so I would like us to take sensitive questions now on the link. Um, do you mind? I would just want to beg everyone. Okay, what time is uh, it supposed to end? What do you say? What time is the Q&A supposed to end? How many questions left? Yeah, we started by 9.18, so I don't want it to, um, I don't want it to extend so long, right? So that's why. For the remaining six minutes, six minutes we have. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, please hold on. So for sensitive questions, give me a second, please. 
I saw one, I'm just trying to confirm. I think I've re-answered the major ones, but I think I want to focus on quite sensitive ones. Someone is asking, what's the Christian perspective on wet dreams? How does one stop having them? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> say the question again, please. What is the Christian perspective on wet dreams? How does one stop having them? Okay, so newsflash um every guy regular guy that goes through poverty experiences this even your pastors and your men of god um just think about it your father your uncle everybody that you know that's a male goes through this rite of passage and it's somewhat uh, it's a weird thing to talk about because the object of the dream or the scenario of the dream in itself is not something that is easy to share because it's of a sexual nature but it happens it almost tells you that you're ready to be a man to in that sense you are on your way to being a man um and many times wet dreams medically speaking i don't know if there, is there anyone that doesn't know what that is i don't think so you guys did integrated science and biology so you should know um but it's okay yeah if we're being adults here it's where um someone has a dream of a sexual nature and ejaculates in his dream not in his dream in real life or in both of them as the case may be but yeah many times medically that happens because your body is trying to find some release especially people who are not sexually active um and they don't have a release um the just so you know millions of sperm are being created every single day in seminal fluid there is millions and millions and millions of sperms and so when that is being produced on a daily basis continuously if yeah if i mean if you're just like if you're filling your tank in a car you're filling your petrol tank which is hardly possible in this day that we're in these days we're in but if you ever if you are rich like that and you can find the fuel and you shall fill your tank. If it overflows, it spills out. It needs to find a place to release. So for people especially who are not sexually active, um, that happens, right? They have some sort of release. But sometimes it's the other way around. It's because of overexposure to sexual content that that continues in your mind, in your dream. The scriptures even talk about it, how things, events in our lives continue in our dreams. And so if that's the case, that's that's the one you need to be mindful of. And that's when you have to be careful. It's not a sin to have a wet dream that was not in itself originating from lust, from you intentionally exposing yourself to lustful things. But it just happens to guys. Guys understand this. It, it just happens sometimes. Um, yeah. So if yours is inspired by lust and exposure, to wrong materials then you need to stop you need to reduce the exposure i remember when i first watched this, this movie i was very young but i just saw it in passing on dstv i wasn't i was just passing and i just saw that scene it was snakes on a plane and the snake jumped out of the toilet and beat someone and, and 
and snakes were everywhere. Guess what I dreamt about that night? Mm-hmm. Dreamt about snakes. <laughs> and the day after. <laughs> so sometimes your dreams are inspired by real life events. And if that's your case, stop. 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 It's not helpful. It's not healthy. And it's, it's just wrong. And how do you stop? The, that's where you lead to the question of how do you stop overexposure? So you have to control your environment. If it's movies that cause it, if it's some TV series, if it is straight up porn, then you need to stop it. You need to get help. You need to talk to someone. You need to be accountable. That's if you're addicted to these things. And just, yeah, just limit that exposure. And before long, you're, you're good to go. Yeah. Thank you, PK. All right. Thank you. Okay, so another one, Danielola is asking... Or, sorry, in the other... Sorry, before I forget, I think also, while um, colloquially, wet dreams are ascribed to men, I think sometimes people also ascribe it to women. Um, in rare cases, I don't know. It, have, have you ladies ever heard someone ascribe that for women as well, wet dreams? I've never heard it, though. You haven't? <laughs> Yeah, so for for there's a similar expression I believe that people have used for ladies and it's not in the same not the exact same way that it happens with guys, but it happens where ladies have like ovulation. It, it, that's that could be it, but oh, yeah. more or less like. Oh, okay, well, that's yeah. not really. That's not sexual. That, no, that's yeah. Not sexual. If it's of a sexual nature, your dream was outright sexual, and your physical reaction to the dream was evident. If you know what I mean, like there was an evident reaction to the dream when you were done with it. Oh. That's a wet dream, I believe. I believe it also applies to girls. But but colloquially, I think it's it's usually ascribed to guys, but I think it also applies to men. I'll research. I'll I'll check. I'll also do my survey and ask people and make people uncomfortable by asking the question. But I'll find out. <laughs> no, I just checked Google actually. It says something like around like it's like an orgasm for babies. That's what it says. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. So it's a state of arousal for men. But it's also something that happens in ladies and ladies. I don't want to be talking it's okay, about no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. But it's not like, it's not like people who don't know these things already. You're pretending, you're pretending For women, it refers to sexual arousal. Yeah, exactly. So arousal I, I just wanted to... During sleep, that leads to vaginal witness. No, it's, Dami, it's okay. Dami, Dami, we're done with this 50 seconds ago. We're done. Yeah, it has two. <laughs> it has two. <laughs> but anyways, no, but thank you for that. At least that confirms it, that it, it applies to both genders. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we, we got that out of the way. It applies. So it, whatever I said to the guys applies to the ladies as well. Yeah. Thank you, Piki. Yeah, but if there, oh, okay, let me know over. Sorry, that's the answer. I was going to talk about spiritual husband, spiritual husband, but let's, let's not, go somewhere. Let's not talk about <laughs> it. Sorry. Let's go there. All right, please proceed. Okay. 
So, um, this is from Damilola. How do you know the center of God's will for your life? Because can't lie, sometimes I'm so unsure, and it's like I should do this or not. Read it again, please. And it's like, should I do this or not? How do I know the center of God's will for your life? Because can't lie, sometimes I'm so unsure, and it's like, should I do this or not? Hmm. That's a very good question. This is from Dami. Not is your lodge day or Kaya day? I don't know which one. Okay. It's the person we should let Me. us know. Are you not there? I'm there. Okay. All right. So that's a very brilliant question. I think that's one of the most complicated questions from today. Um. But at the same time, it's also it's also a bit easy to answer. How do you know that you're at the center of God's will for your life because you're unsure of what next to do, what action to take? Is this the right action to take? Well, everything is so confusing. It can be confusing, yeah. Is that what you said? Yes, yeah, that was what she said. Okay. That was what she said. All right, so yes, it, it, it can be, but I think that one very powerful investment that one can make in their lives, which also in itself might seem complicated, but it's not, is knowing how to hear from God, learning how to hear from God, because God speaks. The Bible tells us that, you know, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they know. Not that they can yeah. know or they might know. They know his voice. And it comes with practice. You know, when you think of the story of Samuel, when Samuel first heard the voice of the Lord, it seemed ordinary. He had never heard that voice before. But Eli, who had had experience, who himself had once also not been able to recognize the voice of the Lord, who had yielded himself and practiced and understood it, eventually... Um, told Samuel, look, this is God. I recognize this. This I know this what this feels like. This is God. You know, respond to him. And the funny thing is, even after that happened, do you know Eli came to Samuel and said, What did God tell you? Tell me everything he told you, or else God will smite you and kill you. <laughs> Literally, that's in the Bible. Because he's so much respected when God speaks to someone. He knows that look, it's valid. So that's one thing, and I wish I had time to talk about how to hear from God, but they are, they are what we call prophetic personalities when it comes to hearing from God. They're, I'll just summarize it. This is free of charge. I don't know if I've touched this before, but we have the seers. We have those who know, the knowers. We have the hearers. We have the feelers, and I could spend all the time I could, but they're just unique ways which we can experience it in different ways. We can experience the leadership of God in different ways, but they're just some ways primarily that God speaks to us. Sometimes it's through visions, seers. Sometimes it's just an inner knowing, an intuition. You just know. You you just have a knowledge about what to do next. It could be here. You, you just can't specifically pinpoint what God said about this and that. It's very, very specific. Maybe you feel like Paul there's perception. I perceive that there is a spirit in this woman of spirit of divination, Acts 16. You know, it could be different ways that God leads. 
but ultimately for you you need to just understand how god speaks to you you know particularly and what he's saying in this time sometimes it could also come from someone else who gives you a word but god will always confirm it to you as well but you also need to be careful that when you have received a word and you've acted on the word the leading of god that you're not just looking for the next thing immediately you need to be sure that you've completed the assignment that has been given the leading that has been given before you seek another leading right and in a leading of course there are always more leadings there are always more there is always more direction there's always more to do but at the end of the day god leads and that's where you need to remember and sometimes it might seem like you're silent for a while it might seem like nothing is really happening when God speaks, you should talk to him and ask him. God, he, he answers, I promise you. And you might not always hear a voice. Sometimes it could be opportunities that come about. Sometimes it could be an intense passion for something. You just want to do this thing so badly. That's how it happens, right? There's just no hard and fast rule to it. It's something that you yourself have to experience. But I, if you really want to get, um, get to know the leadings of the Lord very easily, attend meetings a lot that's something i used to do when i i really needed a lot of direction i'll go and attend meetings that i trust i go i will get a word i am sure i will go someone say this and that person will confirm it so i do that a lot but sometimes also i just study my bible some things pop out sometimes i pray i have dreams it, it could be a hybrid of so many things at the same time but god leads and if god wants to get your attention he will all right, but don't harass God and say, God, oh, God, you're not talking, you're not talking, what's going on? He always speaks. Sometimes we just need to we just need to listen and be patient to listen. If you incorporate listening in your daily prayers, you actually carve out time. Lord, I just want to listen. And you just stay. Like, you just stay. And sometimes you have to accompany it, accompany it with fasting. You need to just say, Lord, look, I'm, hear, I'm hearing so many noises in this world. I want to stay away from everything and just focus on you for this time. God usually leads and speaks when we fast, when we need to take the very next decision, big decision of our lives. Fast. Fast. I know I said there's no hard and fast rule, but there is fast. There's a fast rule. You must fast. <laughs> uh, you must fast. I'm saying it again. Fast. Think is an instruction to you fast you get clarity that way okay you get clarity that way fast 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 and pray take time to fast and pray you will know what to do i promise you you will know what to do okay thank you Pretty. yeah you're welcome remember that god is not the author of confusion so he's the author of clarity he always wants to bring clarity just remember that. The Lord will say, pick me, pick me. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Piki. Um, just to follow up. Please pick me for me. We round up with the Lord for... Um... Ew, I have another question. Is that dummy? Yes. Is it the one about NYSC? Oh. Yes. Yes. Okay, I just knew, like, I just felt like you really want that question. This is my turn, Edjo, please. <laughs> um, the Lord, but you asked it's so a lot of me. Thank God. you. I knew we were going to bring this up. I just <laughs> don't be angry. 
So, um, TK, that means asking, people have been talking about working the system for NIC. I don't think it's exactly good, but I mean, insecurity, no one wants to go to the north. What do you think? Working the system, like redeployment and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, very interesting. So, I, I personally think, so here's my, my perspective. I believe strongly in integrity in everything. I believe also in common sense security as well. I believe, I want, and I don't believe as a personally is the mission and vision of NYSC, any, at least not anymore. Not anymore. I, I feel they don't have direction as they should. Um, while you can see some small lights from the tunnels when you go for your CDS, if your CDS is serious, and at least they are going to help some young girls educate them on sanitary hygiene, or they're trying to do some kind of, you can see snippets here and there, but, and yeah, it helps people, people, I mean, who don't have jobs can have some income through NYSC, it helps. But the vision and the mission of NYSC is not, it's not going to take anybody anywhere. And I, I am saying this unapologetically. I don't subscribe to it. So if I'm going to spend one year, personally, so when I was doing my own NYC, I was open to it. I was like, Lord, if you want me to go elsewhere for my NYC, I'll do it. If you want me to do it for the sake of your gospel, maybe for for ministry work and everything, and then it's like, your work is in Lagos. Focus on your work in Lagos. <laughs> So I, I served in Lagos. Um, so yeah, but at the end of the day, it's, it depends on you. I would. It's a similar case to, maybe it's a similar case, maybe it's not. But if someone is an alcoholic and a recovering alcoholic, and I don't have any issue with alcohol, but the person has issues because they're trying to recover and they believe that they've lived a drunken lifestyle and all that, I will not drink by your side and I will not encourage you to drink as well because of your conscience sake do you understand so yeah if if there are security concerns you have more reason to be in a place um as usual right see i think i think that you you can call the shots on that one but if your conscience pricks you if you believe that it's something that you know yeah would affect your conscience and you believe it's sinful to god Please don't do that at all. Go to where they go to the Sokoto or Nasarawa that they sent you to. <laughs> no, go, go. Not if you go, you ask the question, and there's a reason you ask. Go, God is calling you there. Uh, <laughs> God will never stand that there in the first place. <laughs> it's a job. But but I can tell you, a lot of people did go to other states because they were led. I know a handful and God used them very well in those places. The people who went and regretted, um, the people who have stayed and regretted. So it's, it's not a general rule, but I think at the end of the day, just check your heart, check your conscience, be sure that um, you're not doing anything out of faith. Um, that's not in line with faith is what I mean. So yeah, that's what I would say. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? Okay. Hey. Tolapo, ask your question so we can close, ma. Yeah. 
Uh, uh. <laughs> I am keeping everybody. Think I have to sleep or you must remember. I think someone else. Dami, did you? I'm sorry. I think Grace is with you, Dami. Dami, I'm Grace. Did you say something? No, Grace doesn't have a question. Okay, Doctor, please proceed. Entering my time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, question is basically about things that are just considered quote unquote crazy. Like, if maybe your like if your friend don't want you to like get something like a tattoo or a piercing, but then you want it, right? So how do you navigate going through something like that? Especially even if you are still not under their roof, like if you are going to go, but you know that they don't <laughs> want it. Does that mean you just give up on that entire dream of having like a person? And please, very, very <laughs> Like, does that mean you're not honoring your father, or your mother, or like <laughs> like that? Okay. Can literally happen. Is that right? really yeah. a serious question? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you want it? Mm, so, tattoo and piercing, and right? What are we doing it? How how would it happen? Tattoo and piercing. How many piercing? Uh, like plenty, plenty the one right. that's going to the one be... on the eye, yeah. <laughs> it's a dream. The one, <laughs> the one that they do, do cross, <laughs> the cross of Jesus Christ. That one. That's... No, okay. <laughs> okay. okay, not piercing tattoos. Tattoos. <laughs> like, just like hide it or like do it in the places that they will not see. Thing, be like, mm. yeah. And what mm. if you want it to be in a place that is actually seen? Mm. <laughs> so just to be clear it's it's a thing of your you know your parents don't agree with it but you really want to have one yes you really want it is this something is it a fictional scenario or is it something that is real it's not a fictional scenario it's like it's not something that should happen that should happen <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, my I'm literally dying. I'm sorry. oh my goodness okay yes. like now my parents are literally um okay like now <laughs> my brother did his hair so i don't see anything wrong but then they do yeah. right so should i be like my brother just go ahead doing it even if they mm. don't like it or like just give up on that particular Quick question. Yes. Do you, you still have school fees, right? Is there still school fees for them to pay? I don't. I, don't. <laughs> no, I just want to be sure. Sorry. I just want to be sure. Okay, maybe after that one year. Okay, right. after one year, then are you doing masters? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was like, yo, wait, though. Yeah, okay. No, just, like, just no, checking. Like, just I'm checking. Ways to do it. it's not that they will just like in a scenario that they don't just stop giving me what I want, like in a way to get everybody to be on the same page. It's okay, page. can have it. Okay, <laughs> okay. yes. <laughs> uh, let me let me be honest with you. Um, 
Your parents go to to redeem, right? Yes. Okay. Um. <laughs> so, I, I, first of all, let me. <laughs> First of all, first of all, let me just give you this background check to let you know that or this background understanding. I'm sure you already know this, that in in and of themselves, right, tattoos and piercings, extra piercings. I do not believe there is any biblical reason to consider them as sinful. But like anything in the world, it in itself might not be a sin, but can be a sin like wanting to have money is not a sin but it can be a sin depending on motivation and the context things like that so one thing you have to be very careful because this is borderline honoring parents this is this is honoring parents and some parents if you take this action ah, it is disownment. I know families that that has happened, right? And they might not do that in your family, but it's going to be a very big concern. It might be a lot of heartbreak. And sometimes parents don't just know these things yet. They've been, you have to put, I feel a lot of us don't put ourselves in our parents' shoes. And so we take these actions without actually thinking about how they will respond. But if you were in their shoes and you had your own children and you had been brought up with the doctrine with which they had been brought up with the same mindset and mental model, you would react, you would be upset, you'd be disappointed. God, what did I do to deserve this? I trained this child to love you. And now look at this. This is Vivify. It's Vivify that is doing this thing to my child. Oh, my God. And I should have known. I'm telling you. I'm telling Oh, you people. I'm telling you. I'm telling you facts. I'm telling you facts. And then they start to react, they start to regret what have I done. It's because I sent you to the kind of school you went to. Now look at what I'm seeing. See God, see punishment in my life. Maybe it's because I didn't give my neighbor matches. I'm I'm just giving you examples. But here's the thing. On a serious note, um, I think in decisions like this, you have to be very, 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 very selfless. And also very very patient I know he's doing you I know he's sweeting you it's nice it's beautiful and truly it is there are people with tattoos that look so beautiful and piercings extra piercings it's wonderful I'm telling you it's beauty it's beauty but the context and the situation you you can be patient if you don't do tattoo and piercing you will let you will live long you will not die do you get you'll be fine but when you start to gain a level of independence where you can step out you are your own person you are your own adult then please do see go ahead go ahead have fun in, in modera- at the end of the day it's 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 in moderation don't now say ah they've been keeping me locked up for so long don't worry i will show them when they now release you now do 20 piercings on your face they cannot see your skin against that too. You now say I've done. It's not gonna be deep. Uh-huh. So you have to do it in decency, with decency, and you also have to be careful that, for example, for me, if I want to do it, I'd okay. Maybe this is the first time I'm saying this. How many people are on this call? Let me see. Thank God, people have, <laughs> have dropped off. What does that? What does that? What does to share. Okay, not too many people. Cheers, and we are not releasing this part, Abby. 
Uh, when you publish it, you're not okay. Okay. I have wanted so badly, not so badly, but like to a large extent, to actually get a piercing. It might not even be a piercing, but it could be a magnetic earring. Just one. Because I feel it's look good on me. I think. Maybe. Possibly. Go picky. But it's to look good. The Lord is just bossu must hear this. Lord so you have an idea already you have an idea even this even even this one i'm wearing itself can be a problem but when they see cross and hey okay it's not too bad maybe but like there's just a lot of stigma about things like this and rightly so because even in scriptures there are a lot of connotations to having extra piercings Right, that was an Egyptian tradition the Israelites brought out. That's what they used to make a golden calf. So there are some connotations to even all these things that happened when people did tattoos or markings, not even tattoos, but markings on their body. It was for ritualistic things and idolatry. Of course, we know now it's more aesthetic, it's more artistic in our day and age, which is why we can say it's fine. But at the end of the day, it can be seen if imagine you do a tattoo now. I say if I just say tattoos are, are all fine and they are not wrong. Imagine you now do a tattoo that has skull and snake is passing through the skull, and you hey, now say hey, you now say hail Lucifer. Hi. You have misread. You have misread. Uh-huh. So at the end of the day, there's just it's not just it's not a sin. It's not a sin. You have to go deep into the context. But if it's going to be a, a form of rebellion to your parents, um. A rebellion that even John Bellion cannot solve. It, it, you have wow. to be careful wow. to be sure that you are honoring your parents. Wow. Right? Sorry for that. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> you need to make sure that you're honoring your parents. If you want to live long, honor your parents. As you hear me so, honor your parents. Uh, but yeah, on a, on a serious note, please... Um, you can be patient, right? It's it, You can be patient. Wait till your school fees has finished. Wait till you're out of the house and go wild. It's fine. Go ahead. Um, but... Uh, oh, wait. Isn't that a double life? Is it not a double life? How? <laughs> so... So... You say that okay. when you've left the confines of your parents' house, mm-hmm. right, now... So are you saying what was all that? Was the fact that they had your school fees, and now that you have your own apartment, <laughs> now that you have your apartment, you can go ahead. So here's the thing. Okay, someone, someone said, someone said something in the chat section, and God will bless that person. Let me see. Who said go and marry? Go and marry. Who's the person? Let me see. So. Oh, I can't. Can we still know? I can't even see the chat again. Okay, no, I'm no longer under authority. That's no, 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 no. <laughs> so, I mean, I honor oh, him from your school. No, but I think one of the things that our parents really should, sorry, say what you want to say. No, sorry, go ahead. Okay, I, I think one thing they really worry about is whether or not is the irresponsibility attached to it in that sense. Yeah, like but, it's I mean, like a bad reputation for them. Right, starting to like when we change church 
I will start attending the mission church. My parents' mindset for many certain things had to start to adjust to what they were saying. So I mean, so tomorrow, if I tell my daddy I want to dye my hair, or I want to lock my hair, he still has a few. But I keep telling him that once I get married, that it's no longer be his decision to make that say like no, and, and you have a, you ha- have a point there because the truth is there's a temporary solution now and i can give you a more permanent solution temporary now? temporary yeah. solution no. is give your parents exposure give them a place where they can see that ah so they're not covering their hair and god still loves them ah they're wearing trousers and god is still answering their prayers they're still doing wonders you know let, just help them see better at least give if they are willing to if you can get them to a church that practices this and they can have that experience and they can see god move in a place like that where there's some decent liberty see that's a temporary solution and eventually they will ease into your own concerns and your requests long term when you go and marry you need to realize that in-laws need will step aside because you are starting your own family at least they ought to if you do it well your, your, they should step aside and respect your decisions as adults. If they are controlling your life, if they are telling you what to do, it, your marriage will not go well. I'm telling you, if you are mommy's boy and mommy is telling you, hmm, do you always have to buy a wig? But she needs the wig. I say, hmm, why is it that you are, why did you cook food that day? Why is she not, is she that not her job to be cooking food? That's, if that's how they are doing you, your marriage will not work well. I'm sorry. So at the end of the day, there's there's a level of independence where you are your own life. You are, you have your own life. You are your own person, and you do that, you know, not to dishonor them anyway, but because this is your life and you want to do that. You get. But in a situation like I am, where there's a lot of visibility to what I do and my actions can influence people, I can't. There's some things I will have to sacrifice because of that as much as i want to do those things and i'm fine with it it's like i my life it belongs to jesus anything that i lose i gain in him so it means nothing to me so i think that's just the perspective many of us are just so short fused that this is what i want i must get it at all costs what if god asks you never to get it for the sake of someone else how would how your reaction to that will show how attached you are to earthly things do you get if God says, let it go, I don't want you having any business with it at all, Pierces. If you say, yes, Lord, it shows your, your level of consecration. If you say, Lord, but but God, but why, but God, but how? You're one of those people that will say, Jesus, don't come yet until I marry. And they're saying, you're in their, you're in their oh, yeah. WhatsApp group. Yes. So. The big Jesus can come tomorrow. Stop that, Shazam. Stop that. Mute your microphone. What did you say? Yes, please. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is going to help out, but like a friend of mine is currently in this shoe at the moment. Is encouraging um, what? So he, he, my, a friend of mine is currently in this shoe at the moment. So okay. he went and like, he went and like, got this, like he, like, you know, dread, um, braided his hair. Mm. And unfortunately for him, that was the day that his girlfriend brought her father or father's day to CCI. <laughs> <laughs> What's the opposite of Kairos, please? Kairos. 
Apparently, so all I've heard is I told him that he should never see him like next to his doctor. Gave him a good restraining and that he would carry him to police station if he sees him anywhere next to his daughter. Mm. Uh, so that like a very, very, very clear lesson on you know making decisions in view of you know people around you. I I know you're probably waiting for when you leave the house, but I think you should wait till you get married because <laughs> this could be blessed as well. But yeah, um... <laughs> no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Good. At the end of the day, if is it not to not dye your hair and leave it black? Ah. Uh-uh. Leave it black, marry the daughter, and if you try, if you want to jack her, jack her. If you want to go, will you leave it your parents? No, no. Sometimes I feel like a lot of young people, to be honest, I feel a lot of young people are not wise. Very silly. I don't, they're very silly. There's some things you can compromise, and there's some things you can sacrifice for a time. And it doesn't mean you are living a double life, it doesn't mean that you are pretending and you're not being who you really are. If it's you being who you really are, huh? we need to wisen up we need to we need to understand that when it comes to wedding and marriage sometimes people just don't know better and we need to play to the level of their knowledge do you understand but at the same time you know you need to just remember that look at the end of the day is my going after this thing beneficial right now or not if it's beneficial all things are lawful but not all things are beneficial if it's not beneficial cut it off if it's going to cause tension cut it off why like if imagine you're not intentionally you're, well, going, to meet, try. you're going to meet can we first try you're going to meet i wish you all the best let's first try and test the waters before we cut it off all the best my dear <laughs> all the best <laughs> so you now say you want to meet your the the father of the girl you are looking at you now choose oh what can i do to spice up my look let me put two earring do dreadlock and wear neck chain <laughs> Yeah, you are ignorant. You are ignorant. That's what you are. The father might, and and it depends, right? There's some families that that doesn't that doesn't matter. There's some families that say, ah, bro, ah, nice one, nice, uh, nice stud, very nice one. How are you now? How far? There's some families like that. I've seen it, especially when their parents are not religious, right? So if that's the case, then it's fine. You just need to read the room and just be smart about it yeah all right okay sir thank you thank you very much guys thank you thank you thank you thank you so much pk thank you so much thank you thank you that was very good um yeah that question is something that i already mentioned um the question was this is for something something for you to take home and think about and i'm glad i already gave some introduction to it the question is how or what are the ways that you hear from god something to think about how do you recognize god in your daily life how can you discern this is god's leading and how often do you hear God's voice? And when I say God's voice, I'm not always talking audible. Right? So that's just a question to ask. Is it something you look forward to every day or is it just something that if it happens, cool? Right? Um, and how do you recognize it? What ways do you sense it? 
what ways do you recognize God's voice? So that's take home thoughts for everybody. Yeah. All right. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.